Hi, friends. My name is Eric Barnett, and I'm a singer-songwriter from Charleston, South Carolina, and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I talk to fellow singer-songwriters about their music and their influences. On this week's episode, I have Mike Kaufman. Mike Kaufman is a fantastic fingerstyle guitar player originally hailing from New Jersey. We talk about a lot of things on this episode, including his influences and his songwriting. But one thing I want to talk about right up front is the benefit concert he has coming up on Thursday, April 21st at Fox Music House in North Charleston. It's at 7.30 p.m. and it benefits the Star Ovarian Cancer Foundation. So if you're listening to that episode before that date, hope to see you there. Let's get into our conversation with Mike Kaufman. Hey, Mike, thanks for stopping by today, man. <laughs> Eric, thank you so much for, for having me. I know it's been kind of crazy, so I appreciate your, your squeezing me in a lot. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I'm excited to get to know more about you. I did a little research on you. Um, we met at the, at the Freehouse mm-hmm. um, Showcase. Right. Talked a little bit, but I really didn't kind of get to know you until I was looking into your music and into you know the the tour and the mm-hmm. album and the show you have coming up so I I did not find a whole lot of biographical information on you online so I didn't dig up anything too um litigious <laughs> <laughs> well the day is young but, but a, a couple good resources for folks to learn about Mike and his music is mikekaufmanmusic.com and also, there's a very good article by the Post and Courier, um, and I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes about the um, the benefit concert you mm-hmm. have coming up on April 21st. We will get to that in a minute, but cool. let's let's hit the rewind button. Let's go back to <laughs> early life. Yeah. You know, the obvious joke is I started out as a very young child. You know, <laughs> now there's both of my younger brothers and I. Grew up with a in, in a house full of music. Um, yeah. My mom played classical piano. Really wanted to be able to play jazz, but she just didn't have the the <laughs> head for it. But she could read and was was phenomenal player. My dad played jazz, couldn't read real well, but he okay. But he played jazz piano. Um, he died when we were really young. Uh, I was ten and. and the oldest of three. Mm-hmm. And so there was still always music in the house, but we were kind of left to, to find in our, our own way and in a bunch of ways. My younger brother, Steve, uh, is the first guy who ever won the national flat picking championships in Winfield three times. Wow. Yeah, he's he's good. Um, and he he's made his living for years um, traveling around doing workshops on, on how to be a flat picker just like him. Awesome. Yeah. And he runs a camp every summer and has had Tommy Emanuel and all wow. kinds of people as, as teachers. So he's, he's, he's the real deal. So your mother is the concert pianist. Your father is the jazz pianist. Mm-hmm. How, did, did that work? Like, did they ever play together no. or was it just two no. worlds? No, they were. Um, and again, uh, to my knowledge, they didn't play together before mm-hmm. we were born. Um, so, and I only saw the, there was only the one piano in the house. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. We grew, <laughs> we grew up in, in Northern New Jersey, just outside New York. Okay. Um, and there was a five foot Steinway in the house and I thought everybody had a Steinway. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, why I doesn't didn't, it? I didn't yeah. realize how, uh, 
you know how special that was. Yeah, so. that is awesome, man. I, yeah, we yeah. had a we had a very out of tune cable Nelson, and <laughs> yep. you know he had a guy come by every six or seven years or so, and <laughs> whether it needed it or not, <laughs> it needed it. And and usually the day after he left, you couldn't tell he had been there, and right. you know, you know how those uprights are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, what kind of music were you guys listening to in the house? In the house. Our music was was you know like everybody's like you know we're children of the fifties right so okay. it was the first time that I really started noticing things was the Beatles yeah you know I was that was sixty two so I was about eight years old seven eight years old when and we stayed up on it for that Ed Sullivan show wow and saw him you know and my dad who was very much into standards and stuff he he heard there was there was he heard something special. Couldn't put his finger on it, but there was, you know, just those couple chords that they used that were, that were different. Yeah. You know, so that's when we started really listening. Um, I got involved in my head uh, in, in the big folk scare. Okay. You know, yeah. of, of the 60s. Yeah. So getting into guys like Gordon Lightfoot, you know, the, like the second generation focus. Okay. Yeah. Tom Paxton, um, Peter, Paul, and Mary some, but, but Paul Simon for sure. Um, John Hartford, Richie Havens. You know, all, all these guys who were, sure. you know, Joni Mitchell, you know, the poet songwriters who yeah. were you know, just unbelievable. Well, New York City was a big hub for that and yeah. being that close. Yeah. You know. But, you know, I was a little kid. We couldn't go, sure. you know? Sure. Yeah. Shoot, I was 14 when uh, when they had Woodstock. My mom wouldn't let me go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, was, as a parent, that was the right decision. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> More than likely. Right. But you, you guys were always encouraged. Oh yeah, to, to play yeah, yeah, music. Yeah. And Absolutely, awesome. We were forced to take piano lessons, and <laughs> after a while, when it became obvious I wasn't going to practice, you know. Yeah. Uh, so then I found uh, my my aunt gave me a guitar that that she was playing it was a, an old nylon string favilla. Okay, and that was where I learned my first Mel Bay chords, <laughs> and just kind of went from there. Taught myself how to finger pick, and yeah. And, uh, did, did you have formal teaching, or just no. entirely taught out of those? No. Just, Mel Bay books and j really just, um, I mean, once I got past reading a chord diagram, I just kind of figured out how to apply that. So. At some point when you realize that most of the songs you're listening to have three or four right. chords and you learn those right. and you kind of have the keys to the kingdom at that exactly, point. Exactly. Especially if you own a capo. Absolutely. I yeah. Drag so much those money four on chords capos. up and down the neck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I've had every kind you could have too, you know, I mean, back from the, the, the rubber yeah. straps around the back there, you know, so the, yeah, old, the old Bill Russell's. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The ones that throw everything sharp. And, right. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> Got to retune with the capo on. Yep. And, and I played 12 string oh, for many, man. many years. I, my first really decent guitar was an ovation 12 string that I bought in 1969 with wow. bar mitzvah money. Right. <laughs> and, um, I still have this. I still have it. I don't take it out much because it's it's kind of fragile now. Yeah, yeah. You know? Those twelve strings are a ticking time bomb. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. how much pressure is that pulling yeah. up on a on a soundboard? Right, right. Yeah. But it stayed. It held tune remarkably well. And then Jim Dunlop came out with a curved capo. Yeah, and that life became a lot easier. Yeah, once they figured out match up that fret radius right. and it's going to work out. Was your brother playing at the same time? Um. He wasn't. He started a little bit later mm -hmm. and started diving deep into Doc Watson. Okay. That's what spoke to him. Um, and and um, 
Flatten Scruggs and and Tony Rice and all the the you know the the, the flat picking pantheon. And now he tells a story. I don't remember this story, but he tells the story that one day he was working on Black Mountain Rag, the old Doc Watson tune. Yeah, and he was trying to do it finger style. And I he now he says that I opened up the door and threw a flat pick across the room, <laughs> and this this it just was bathed in a halo of light <laughs> and he caught it, and he heard the angels saying when he when he caught it and i said that's how you do this idiot now i don't remember any of that and i don't remember calling my brother an idiot but it's, well that's it's, a great origin story man. <laughs> every yes sir every hero has to have his origin story and and that's a great one man uh now we're was it kind of a thing where you being brothers <clears throat> he was your kid brother it wasn't cool to to show him things or for well, it, it, very quickly he became really, really good. <laughs> okay. To the because he did this to the exclusion of everything else. He, okay. Now, of the three of us, and my youngest brother is a college professor. Okay. Of the three of us, he's the smartest. He's got the highest IQ. He's also probably the most successful, both musically and and just because he's one of the few people I know who uses both halves of his brain. Sure. Yeah. All right. One of those people who are able to do that. Yes. Yeah. And so that's that's been. Music has been very, very good to him, but that's because he's a, he's smart. Um, and it became evident pretty quickly that the kind of musics that we were interested in were very different. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do much beyond boom chick, boom chick, which I did a lot. And then <laughs> it just got, I said, you know, we're not going to do that. Sure. And uh, my young, our youngest brother, Will, who, as I said, is a college professor over in the UK, is one of the world's foremost authorities on the life and work of Woody Guthrie. Okay. And so he tours around and does does presentations where he talks and sings and he got into playing bluegrass banjo. Okay. So the two of them would go off and do bluegrass stuff and I would say, How come I'm not working? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so at at some point, you know, you went to Montclair State College uh, yeah, in New Jersey. Yeah, yes. Uh, music education. Yes. I know that you do you still teach right now? I'm re well. I teach guitar to a couple private yeah. students, but no, I'm not teaching in schools now. Not I'm, teaching I'm in retired now. now. Yeah. Now, did you want to be a guitar instructor? Did you want to be a music educator? Like, what was your what was your goal when you went to college? That's a, well, when I was 16 in high school, uh -huh. I knew that I wanted to change the world through teaching music. It just came to me one day. Yeah. That was my calling, and actually, I'm 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 a good teacher. I, I really am. I've learned how to get people to do stuff yeah. that they couldn't do yet. And that's a, that's a neat thing. Um, my very first, and, and at Montclair State, they had no business admitting me. I should not, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not joking, which is why it's funny. Um, I got in as a, a, a tuba player. I was, okay. Because I, I auditioned as a classical guitar player and they accepted me to the department, which was cool, but then they realized that that their guitar instructor was was full up and they weren't going to bring on another teacher just for one more student. Uh -huh. There was contractual stuff. So they said, we see on your, on your application that you play tuba in the marching band. <laughs> Would you like that to be your major? <laughs> which was, yeah, that was my yeah, first reaction right. too. And then I realized I would probably learn a lot more about music and they weren't going to take away my guitars. Right. And so I said, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. And so I, I learned an awful lot about music that I wouldn't have known otherwise and met all kinds of really good people. And my first gig really was a high school band director. 
Yeah? I did that stuff for, Very for cool. years. Yeah. I actually, I went to a Bowling Green State University okay. in Ohio, and um, I I loved guitar. I was terrible at it. I, I played in high school. I played in bands where mm-hmm. we just, garage bands, basically, oh, sure. yeah. and, and I could, you know, slowly read a tab that was in Guitar World and whatnot, and, and but I really wanted to get into college to learn music recording. Ah. And Bowling Green State didn't have a recording degree, but they said, listen, get in the school of music. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll let you write a degree. And so I auditioned on guitar and they popped this chord chart in front of me and it had all these, you know, I knew all the letters, <laughs> but then they started having all these numbers after chords right, that I the, didn't necessarily know. And then the flat 11. Yeah, 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 right. right. Yeah. And then he's like, well, I'll tell you, I'm going to play something and I'm going to have you improvise it. And it, the pentatonic scale did not work. <laughs> and so they said, well, do you play anything else? And I said, yeah, I, I'm a trumpet player. So I played trumpet in high school and I was pretty good. And I could read music on trumpet. So mm-hmm. I actually, it was it was similar but different situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got into the school as a trumpet player. Nice. And then, yeah. But <laughs> nice. yeah. At, at some point, you said you went from boom chick, boom chick on guitar. And you obviously know a lot more these days. <laughs> was that through all through personal study? Or did you end up getting a tutor? Or? No, I've, I've never had lessons. Every time I sit with somebody to play, I learn something. Yeah. I always have, right? And um, I've been lucky to play with some people who are really, really good. Um, so I've taken, you know, quote unquote lessons <laughs> that way. Um, but mostly it's just been listening to stuff and, and trial and error. And, and gee, I wonder how he did that. And, and, you know, every now and then you hear a new chord and you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, what's that chord? I learned like last, like last week, I, I saw somebody play the James Bond chord. Oh, oh! I'll show it to you later. Yeah, it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> See, just like that. But yeah, growing up, it's you. Somebody down the hall in, in college mm-hmm. knew this chord, or they do this thing, and you mm-hmm. go see them and see something, and go, "Oh, you know, it didn't occur to me to do that." And then, yeah, man, it's. I can tell, even though you know, teaching is your passion. Learning has to be a passion. Too. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, and it's all connected, right? Um, oh, hundred percent. As as musicians, and musicians is a word I don't I don't use very often. I, I sometimes I get close to being a musician. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm yeah. really serious about this. Um, I'm a guy who plays the guitar, and I understand yeah. a lot about music. Yeah, but to me, a musician is somebody who is who, who, that implies a, a level of expertise that I aspire to. Still, yes, yeah, you know, so. I'm not quite there yet, but you know, I'm not dead either. You know, so, <laughs> I, I have a song that's going to be on the album, which is called "Life's Not Over." Okay, and, yeah. You know, it's this. You know, we we keep going, and and the beautiful thing about this is, in teaching other people, I learn more. Yeah. And there's always there's always something new, you know, to to learn and get. So. Do you find that unlocking somebody's passion? Kind of, kind of brings it up in you too. Like when you when you have that student. And they turn the corner, you know. Those light bulb moments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I really enjoy them. Now, I mean, we're either motivated ourselves or not, but it is sure. it, it does motivate me to 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 teach better when when I see that happen. Sure. So that that's a cool thing. So started teaching. What's nineteen seventy two? Started oh, gosh. teaching. I started teaching. Yeah, when I was a, a a junior in high school, I started teaching guitar lessons. Okay, and I worked my way through college. 
living at home in Montclair. Uh -huh. um, so I was able to come out debt free, which was nice because yeah. college was uh, priced very differently back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, I, I, I taught a lot and, um, and then went straight into teaching school from there. Excellent. Band director. Yep. Band director in a little town called Audubon, which is Audubon. Okay. Southern New Jersey, just outside of Philly. Awesome. So you have, you have students running around this world right now oh, yeah. that, that thank you for being the guy. And some curse me too, you know, but Absolutely. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you don't make a few mad, you're not doing right. it right. Right. No, I do. And I, I'm in touch with many and, uh, some have even gone on to be music teachers and, and performers themselves. So that's kind of cool to see. Awesome. Yeah. Where did, um, where did songwriting start? Songwriting has kind of always, sort of kind of always been there. I wasn't mm -hmm. disciplined about it, you know, so, so to take a song and really work it was not part of my experience until very recently. Okay. All right. But coming up, you know, if, if I had an idea for a song, they usually kind of came fully formed if they mm. were there, mm -hmm. right? So I was kind of haphazard about it. Yeah. Um, I have some good songs from when, you know, from a million years ago, but they weren't, but it wasn't like I got up in the morning and I went and I closed off the world and went and wrote and, and yeah. that didn't happen until actually this, you know, these past few months. Really? Yeah. Yeah, a, a question I always ask because part part of this doing this podcast is I just want to try to get a little bit of everybody's mojo because <laughs> to writing a song and it's like you said sometimes they just show up fully formed mm -hmm. like you you don't even have to dig you just right. trip over something in the ground and then you're like wow that's a song mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but how how do you make a song appear by force? or by intention, I, I still haven't figured that one out. So you've, you say in the past couple months, you've actually been able to sit and say, I'm going to write a song now. Well, and I, I don't want to get too deep, too heavy. You know, part of, of <clears throat> the, the big thing has happened in my life. Um, last summer, my, my wife passed away from ovarian cancer. She uh, was diagnosed and, and lived with it for five years. And I knew I needed to do something after she passed to um, just just help deal with all the emotion and all the crazy that was that yeah. was going on. And that my therapy became was was songwriting. And so that was I would get up in the morning and go in the room and work on a poem. And yeah. from the poem, you know, kind of got a rhythmic sense, and that that's kind of where the, where the music came from. Or I'd start with a chord progression. And from there was able to kind of fit words to it. And so I had these bits and pieces of things that you could pull together. Yeah. And it became, you know, very much a disciplined thing every day. And it was incredibly helpful. And there are songs that, that will never see the light of day that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for which everybody will thank me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and a lot of these songs that are going to be on the CD or this collection CD is, you know, dates me a little bit, right? Sure, yeah. But... <laughs> What's funny is that they're not all about death and dying. In fact, most of them aren't. Uh, there's, there's one that, that deals with, there's one that's called, what if it's the last time? You know, it comes from this looking back at this time that Suzanne was in hospice mm -hmm. and thinking, gee, what if this is the last time that we talk to each other? And, you know, cause I would wake up every morning. She was, we were, had the hospice in, in the home, wake up every morning and say, gee, is, is, is she awake? Is she alive? You yeah. Know? And, uh, that was, that was a very strange time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's wow. Well, part of it is I, I had good friends who reached out. Uh, one of them is a um, a very fine finger picking finger picker named Raleigh Brown. I don't know if you've come across Raleigh. He's <laughs> He was from Ohio also. Okay. He's in Pennsylvania now. And he, he had lost his wife to cancer about seven months before. So he said, you know, so he reached out when, uh, when both of our wives were ill and was, was very helpful. But we've been raising my grandson, Dustin. Okay. Since he was 18 months. And he's now 18 years old. He's going to head off to college in the fall, which, which – in some ways, frees me up to go off to do this next project. That, sure, you know, we were yeah. talking about some, um, and so I couldn't fall apart. Right, you know, I, I had there's a kid I needed to to be present for. So, well, that was that was good to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be able to uh, at least force you to say, I yeah, I have to do this. Yeah. And and part of it also is when you've got a a long time debilitating disease that you're dealing with. Um, a lot of the grieving stuff happens up front. Mm. Mm. You know, I mean, there's still all these incredible emotions, but, but you know, you're, it's not like it's a shock. You knew it was coming. Right. You know, you just right. don't know when, you know, but I don't mean to get too, uh, too depressing and, and all of no, this. No, no, I'm, I'm a lot of the, um, you know, the impetus about having this podcast is to talk about, the album you are mm. in the process of making, right? The the show that you have coming mm -hmm. up, and also the tour that's yeah. that's following the show. Tell us a little bit about the new album, um, yeah. "Old Guy New Songs." Old guy new songs, yeah, yeah. Because um, that's pretty much what it is. I'm an old guy, you know. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm 66, too close to 67 to be comfortable, you know, and uh, so I can't. I'm not a young man. Now, what's interesting is I just taught a couple 82-year-old guys the other day who are interested in, in getting into fingerstyle and yeah. playing and stuff. So cool. so I, I, I have hope that I'll you know, still be have some kind of faculty uh, <laughs> when I'm 80-something. <laughs> but I'm older than I once was, in the words of Paul Simon, and younger than I'll be, and that's not unusual. <laughs> um, so all these songs that are on this, this CD – and this collection um, were really coming from the time that I was writing every day. Mm -hmm. Now, recently, I've taken that writing energy and put it into more recording and production and rehearsal yeah. and getting ready. Sure. And the idea is that there is an organization called STAR, S-T-A-A-R-O-C. And STAR stands for Survive, Thrive, Advocate, Advance Research. And then it's, so it's staroc.org. And they fund research, <clears throat> excuse me, into this type, the subtype of ovarian cancer, which is very rare, that killed, that killed Suzanne. Mm -hmm. And so what we're looking to do is to raise some money to give to them that they can send off to the researchers who are doing their work. And there's some good things on the horizon, which is, which is very cool. Good. But I'm calling the tour, and the, the tour is going to be in October, uh, the Cancer Revenge Tour. Okay, yeah. All right? Um, yeah. It, it, I'm, I, I don't have any illusions, you know, I don't, I'm not going to draw thousands of people to an event, but, you know, we can get a, a bunch of people coming and a bunch is good. And admission to each of the concerts is by donation, an online donation to, to Star OC. Mm -hmm. 
And there's a page on their website which is set up so people can donate to the concert and Very get, nice. get a receipt that way. And I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, cool. by, by the you. way. So, folks, if you are listening to this podcast, be sure you scroll down and you click on that link and cool. you and you find out more about these events and, and what's what Mike's talking about right now. Yeah, thanks, Eric. It's also on my website as well. Yeah. So you can, in, in the links page. Sure. Yeah, so that's that's where this is coming from. The CD or downloads, it'll be on Bandcamp. I don't know about, not sure about iTunes and the others because it's, it, it's hard it's to find easy. people. Yeah, oh, yeah. if that, you know. <laughs> um, you get a little more from a download than you do from streaming, as you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's It's kind of a hard line to walk. It's so easy to listen to streaming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got to admit, I, I threw a few tenths of tenths of pennies your way <laughs> yeah. listening oh. just because it's, it's more convenient. Everybody has the streaming it's streaming versus old school albums yeah. is definitely a thing we talk about a lot on this podcast. Yeah. I'm, I'm an album guy, but I stream every day for ease. Sure. I still stream entire albums, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. no, I get it. And I, I would I would have just, are you doing physical copies? Yes. Awesome. I'll do that. Awesome. Not a great quantity, Mm -hmm. you know, but, but proceeds from that will go to, um, we'll go to star. Nice. Or while on the tour, they'll go to buying gas. Yeah. Right. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's not, it's not a profit thing at this point. Now, if it gets picked up and a million people buy, then we can look at at, making a, a, a bigger donation kind of thing, but. Awesome. Why don't you uh, play a song off off the record, and then uh, and then we'll talk about it a little more. Sure. Um, this first one is called uh, "No Simple Twists," and that's an interesting story. If you don't, if you got a second, yeah, absolutely. A buddy of mine from college is named Steve Shellmeyer, and Steve is one of the most prolific songwriters I've ever met. He's cranking stuff out every day, and he's got a studio like yours, but with all kinds of electronic gear mm-hmm. also, and and he's. He just writes music all the time, and, and no one has heard of him because he doesn't care. <laughs> he just writes songs, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, before Suzanne passed, uh, I was playing a lot of music every day. She was she was in bed, not moving and stuff, and I was playing a lot. That became my, my therapy. That became my way of reaching out to the universe. That became you know my prayer, my solace, whatever you want to you know words you want to use there. And most of the stuff that I played then, some of it's probably the most beautiful stuff I've ever played. I'll never hear again. I'll never know again. Mm. And that's okay. But this chord progression and this melody came came out of this thing. And I said, that that could be something. But I didn't have the where I'm sorry, the wherewithal at the time to um to write words, to craft words. Mm-hmm. So I called up Steve and I said, Listen, I got this this you know, this tune, you know, you think maybe you can put some words to it because he's really good at that stuff. And he said, yeah, do you want it to be a big, angry, political, uh, <laughs> you know, diatribe? I said, no, nah, let, let's, let's do something else. So, uh, and he, he's one of my oldest friends and closest friends, so he knew what was going on. So I sent, I recorded the tune, sent it off. And a couple days later, he came back with three verses, a chorus, and he added a bridge. Which was, you know, I said, yeah. which was great. I really, really liked the third verse a lot. I uh-huh. liked, but and the second verse was good, but the first really didn't fit. So I, so I tweaked that around and kind of made it so it, it told more of a story. Yeah. And so that's that's how that song came together. So that one, that one was cool. 
Awesome, man. Let's hear it. <laughs> sure. When we're moving down the road, we can't really see the things that lie ahead. Will the road be straight and true, or full of ruts and bends, or simple twists and turns? There are no simple twists. Life goes on, no matter what I wish. Loved you in the winter When the snow was falling Though it's melted now I'm still around All life was playing tricks A magician's sleight of hand Misdirection I can't stand We were sailing, it was smooth The wind was at our backs But the clouds rolled in the sky It turned black there are no simple twists Life goes on No matter what I wish I loved you in the springtime When all the world was greening Though it's summer now I'm still around Tears on our pillows Fears of the day We can't look behind us we watch and we pray Your heart and mind beating in time There are no simple twists Life goes on No matter what I wish I loved you in the summer All the world was golden Though it's darker now I'm still around Just another rutted road We'll take it turn by turn Healing as we learn to love every hour that we spend Together, hand in hand Our future bend to bend There are no simple twists Life goes on no matter what I wish I loved you in the autumn When all the leaves were turning Though they've fallen now I'm still around Though they've fallen now I'm still around Awesome, man. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I like that song. That one, that one uh, came together pretty well. Yeah. I, 
if you guys couldn't pick it up just by listening, this guy can play. Um, there's there's a love hate relationship every time I see somebody that can play because oh. I'm jealous, and I'm like that guy can play, damn it. But I, yeah, I, I, I feel like that every day. <laughs> all right, every day, you know, because I what I what I do I do well. Yeah. Right. Or I do well at what I do. What I cannot do well is all the stuff I want to be able to do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, would, you got to play within your own wheelhouse. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it slowly expands, you know, that expands into the next thing. Mm -hmm. and, and But yeah, I'm going to cop some of those chords, I got to tell you. Yes, please. Because they're not mine, you know? Right, That's yeah. all good. I would love to be able to improvise single lines. Yeah. You know, over over a jazz progression or a bluegrass progression. Or, you know, I mean, I can do pentatonic kind of stuff, but yeah, but, but, yeah. but more craft, more of a melody on, on the spot. So that's something that I work at some, but I'm not good enough at it to, to drag that into public yet. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I, yeah, man, that's as far as like, and, and I'm sure you so, sort of feel the same way. There's nothing like people that know what they're doing uh -huh. as far as soloing over changes and mm -hmm. knowing that I hop into the scale over this progression and whatnot. Right. And then on the other hand, there's nothing like Neil Young just blasting out some just real guttural two note. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and part of music is knowing when to do that and knowing when to do what. So mm -hmm. I'm more of a, a Neil Young blasting out two <laughs> notes myself guy, but it doesn't mean I don't wish I could. <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, as long as they're the right two notes. Yeah, so exactly. Like, yeah. I mean, shoot, I can show you how to finger pick. That's not hard. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I like my, as far as guitar playing, I'm okay with my right hand. My mm. left hand's garbage, but uh. I'm okay with my right hand at least. For the time being, but yeah, uh, as far as recording this album and your other albums as well, are yeah. you a home recordist? Well, I am for this one. Okay. I am for this one. I bought uh, a used uh, Tascam DP-02. Okay. Which is uh, a... Oh, that's like the all-in-one? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So it's got two inputs in, uh -huh. right, and eight tracks. Yeah. So I can do, a, and if I'm doing anything more than eight, then I'm way beyond what, <laughs> what I need to be doing. I, I bought it from Mark Yampolsky, who, okay, who, yeah. who fronts 40 Mile Detour. Yeah. You know? Hi, Mark. <laughs> and the learning curve for that, just that part, you know, has added to an awful lot of repetition. Yeah. That, you know, did, you know oh, gee, you know, did I really, did I really hit the microphone when I, Oh, you know, yeah. That kind of stuff. Like you, know? you got the good take, but you didn't get... Right. Oh, man. Or the dog barked or, you yeah. know, oh. Oh, or I was yeah. sitting down and, and some guy turned on the lawnmower. You know, I mean, it's just like... Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, I fight that every every time I sit down and do this podcast mm -hmm. or I go back to edit it and do the voiceover later. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Saturday, I had people driving down the street on dirt bikes. <laughs> Our neighbor had a rooster at one point. <laughs> and, and that's... But that's part of it, man. Sometimes you leave that stuff in and it's... But, oh, yeah. Now, yeah. I, now, I've listened to your stuff also. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And it's it's nice and it's clean and, and it's it's well produced. Well, so, I appreciate that, but... <laughs> and, and, and it's good music, too. You know, I mean... I've, oh, well, thank you. And I you know, I saw your thing up at Dog Green and... Uh, oh, yeah, you know, so, yeah. So I've seen... Yeah, I'm, it, I'm in a state of constant learning. It's all figuring out, like... A lot of it's known where you want to be, mm -hmm. and you kind of figure out as you go where you want to be, and mm -hmm. you, you know what direction to steer the ship in. 
Do you feel like, um, you know, the tracks you sent me, you sent me a couple tracks off mm-hmm. this upcoming record. They sound good, man. Well, thank sound- you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, some of that's dumb luck and some of it is, I mean, well, it's all intentional, but sure. some of it's, you know, it, it worked and that's yeah. it. I'm keeping it. That's fine. I'm not going to change it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, the other records. Now the uh, others. Yeah. The Carolina others. Life is mm-hmm. who, who recorded that? My buddy Steve Schellmeyer. Okay. These are all now that came from a time when Suzanne and Dustin were here. Uh-huh. Right? Um ten years ago, I guess, right? Yeah, because or because we wanted to get him into the schools here. Okay. Let me take a step back. This because <laughs> this is funny. Um Suzanne asked me one day when I was in, in, in when we were in our fifties, she said, What would you think about retiring to Charleston? And I said, yeah, sure, fine. She's no oh, good. I found a house, <laughs> and I said, I can't do this. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. so but it we, was okay when it was a theory, right? Yeah. Right. You know, but I was still working, and I knew, you know, I, I mm-hmm. needed to stay in New Jersey long enough to get a pension and and those yeah. kinds of things, right? But we knew that if once we made the move, um, we talked to some people down here, and they said if you're going to come and you have dust, and you really should try and get into Mount Pleasant, yeah, because that's you know where the the schools, etc. So we said okay, and we found the last four bedroom house in Mount Pleasant that was under 300,000 at the time. Which what year did. was that? Uh, yeah, right. I know. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, that was, ooh, gosh, 20, what year is this? 22. So that was probably 2015 or so. Yeah. 13. Yeah. Right. 13. Okay. 2013. And so Suzanne and Dustin came down here and I lived in Steve's basement. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. And since I was there, and my family was here. I had a lot of time to write. So okay. a lot of those songs, you know, came from that time. And there, it, again, I was I, I was able to be a little more disciplined. Mm-hmm. And Steve was very gracious and recorded them. And so we put put together the, the CD. I'm, I'm pleased with a lot of that one. He also, I also did a, a collection of instrumental hymn tunes, fingerstyle hymn tunes. Yeah, hymns from the living room. I yeah. listened to a little bit of that on Bandcamp as well, yeah. And I'm, I'm happy with those, with the way they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they were done at his house as well. So oh, I got, very nice. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. thanks. And that's, that's a, this McPherson. That yeah, yeah. I was, I was telling him when we were miking that guitar up that you know, I kind of just tossed a mic up in the room and and pushed the fader up, and all of a sudden, a really good guitar <laughs> came through the headphones, and I was like, "Man, I'm pretty sure with that guitar, if you put a microphone in the same zip code, it's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna sound great." And it's that's a that's a terrific guitar. That's you an am- thank you. It's an am- I, you know I didn't build it. It's an amazing <laughs> guitar. Is this little company out in Wisconsin called McPherson Guitars? And you'll see them a lot on with country musicians. Uh-huh. Uh, Vince Gill and Amy Grant have matching McPhersons. Okay. Um, Brad Paisley's got them, and, and you'll see them a lot on on the Opry shows. Um, and they're it's mostly a custom shop, um, but they had some that they had kind of made to spec. And I found this one at a, a shop in New York called um, Mandolin Brothers. Okay. Yeah. Which unfortunately is long gone, but uh, it was was an incredible place. Like when James Taylor was in New York, he would stop at Mandolin Brothers and play the Olsons, you know. Okay, yeah. And that's where Chris Taylor got his mandolin after he got his MacArthur Genius Grant. Yeah, yeah, what, the, the million-dollar mandolin? Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I always tell myself one day, like, I will have earned the right to buy myself 
that guitar, not your particular, but that in quotes. I can like, put you in this guitar today if you'd like. <laughs> no, no, not that particular. No, no, but like one day, one day, like what? My retirement gift to myself mm-hmm. would be a guitar that cost more than a car I've owned at some point. But <laughs> yeah, well, this one, this was well, a, a really bad car. Yeah, this would cost more than that. But uh, well, I ha- all my guitars cost more than my first car. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. So yeah. Uh, so we talked a little bit about streaming and Spotify and Apple mm-hmm. Music and such. Mm-hmm. So Carolina Life is available on Apple Music. Yeah, and 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 on iTunes. Um, my very first album, which is called Bluebird's Wing, mm-hmm. um, was. I mean, I, at the time, that was the thing. You know, you would you would. I, I worked to have the the discs pressed and made by a, yeah. with a company uh, called Disc Makers up in yep. New Jersey. Yep, I've right? done Disc Makers, yeah. Good folks. Yeah. And part of their package is, oh, do you want to have distribution? And you say you say sure, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that was that was part of that. So yeah, Carolina Life is available that way. Mm-hmm. Um Hymns from the Living Room is not, but you can get that on Bandcamp. Yep. Um and the first one was uh was called Bluebird's Wing. There are some tunes on that that are cover tunes, mm-hmm. and I so I don't want to get it back in. And I had worked out licensing arrangements for yeah. the first time round, but I don't want to get through all that again. So what I will probably do is put the originals and traditionals that are on that album up on Bandcamp as well. Okay, because there are some some good ones there. Very good. Yeah. When you listen to music, mm-hmm. what what do you find yourself? What's your format? How are you listening to music day to day? What what I I still will buy. Um, a download, uh-huh. uh, typically from iTunes. Cause that's the easiest for mm-hmm. me, you know, it's path of least resistance. And so I'll, but I, I'll download it so I can listen to it across all the devices. Gotcha. Right. So yeah. I'll, I'll plug in my phone in the car and, and listen there. And usually what I do on, on my, in my iTunes account, gosh, I've got almost 8,000 songs of yeah. all you know, all kinds of genres, jazz mm-hmm. and classical and, and world music and all the good folky stuff. And yeah, Suzanne had a whole bunch of rock and roll stuff. So there's all, you know, all kinds of things there that, uh, that, that I listened to. She was a rock and roller. She was, well, she knew every, the words to every pop song ever written. Nice. She knew all the lyrics, right? She didn't know who they were necessarily, sure. but she knew the lyrics. Um, so she kept me on my toes a lot. She, she tolerated my stuff. <laughs> you know, supported me. <laughs> that it's that's the most important thing is just having something to put up with a musician. Oh gosh, come on! <laughs> like my my wife lets me have the biggest room in the house and fill it with guitars, and, mm-hmm. and that's not nothing, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. In fact, this this other song that we're that I'm going to do is is called my favorite complication. Mm-hmm. You know, the easiest way to complicate your life is to fall in love with somebody. Yeah. Right? Absolutely, it is. So I always threatened I would write this song because <laughs> I used to call Suzanne my favorite. This whole thing of coming to Charleston yeah. was a big complication, right? Oh, sure, sure. Right? But that's so I always, and some other things, we, uh, we, one day she said, I want to, I want to get a travel trailer and, and we've taken a couple cross country trips. We were talking about yours a little bit. Yeah. Very cool. And yeah, that was, that was cool, but it was complicated. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so my favorite complication is, and she was a Sam Cooke fan. Okay. So this song, you know, when we do it, we'll have a, a, a Sam Cooke kind of vibe to it. 
Awesome. Why don't we why don't we hear that one? Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. My favorite complication. Yeah. You're my favorite complication. I want the world to know. My favorite complication. I'll never let you go I was happy in my loneliness Till your love light came to shine You're my favorite complication And you're mine Well, my life was pretty simple Putting my heart up on the shelf I lived just the way I wanted Answered only to myself but you came along and brought a song That turned my world around You're my favorite complication And you're mine You're my favorite complication And I want the world to know My favorite complication And I love you so I was happy in my loneliness Till your love light came to shine You're my favorite complication And you're mine Ever since the day I met you Well, I knew that I just had to let you in You blew up my world Blew up my heart And yes, I'd do it all again You're my favorite complication and I want the world to know You're my favorite complication And I loved you so I was happy in my loneliness Till your love light came to shine You're my favorite complication You're my favorite complication Oh, 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 my favorite complication, and you're mine. Nice. Thank you. Nice. Yeah, that it, one. That one I felt pretty good about. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And 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 I like. Uh, you know, sometimes when people come in here and they record some songs, they get real uptight about like, oh, I feel like there was like a little, little flub here, <laughs> a little whatnot. But I'm like, man, this is a podcast. Like we don't, if, if this were going out live on the radio, it would be what it be. So. Right. And that, you know, <laughs> and I, I do appreciate that about, about playing live. Last night 
I, I played down at Chico Feo with George yeah, Fox's thing. Yeah. I, I like the vibe of that open mic. I do. Yeah. I and like it as well. I, I just get up at 530 every day. Right. So. I, I, I understand. <laughs> I do understand. And last night, who, who all got up? Pernell McDaniel. Mm -hmm. I followed him. Um, uh, a, a guy from Somerville named Dave Perry, who you may or may not know, and, and a couple other guys. And we were all chatting. Oh, we just, we all had the worst night. <laughs> it was, it was, I forgot things that I knew, you know, <laughs> that I'd been practicing that afternoon, you know, wow. so it was okay, like, yeah. I never touched the guitar. So yeah, it, it, that's all part of the fun, you know? Well, you said, um, you said right afterward, you're like, well, I, you know, I got it right on the album. So that's, <laughs> that's the important thing. Well, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, and that's, you know, part of what we, what we talked on that song on this album, I've got, um, the the McPherson, um, the lead vocal. There are two harmony two harmony vocals singing mm -hmm. doo wop harmony. Nice. Yeah, it m mostly worked, and um, <laughs> and a, a couple spots where uh, where the guitar lead in the middle, I was able to actually over you know overdub. Yeah, you know, just yeah. patch in and out. Yeah. So that came out really really well because I wasn't sure. trying to do everything at the same right. moment, you know? So yeah, well, it, man, it was, it was carrying better. all that. I, I, to be able to, to do all that, I aspire to that. So very nice. Man. Well, thank you. So stylistically on guitar, have you always been more finger style forward? I know your brother is <laughs> kind of the flat picking guy. Yeah, he is. And, and I, I always kind of leaned towards the finger style stuff anyway, mm -hmm. but once he started really coming into his own, it was like, why bother? Yeah, I better you know? do a different thing or right. else I'm just going to get lost. Yeah. Right. You know, now, yeah, in Tony Rice's house, uh, both Tony and his brother Wyatt were incredible flat pickers. Okay. Yeah, but that's not the way it went at our house. Now, I've always done the, the finger style stuff. Now, um, was it always thumb pick? I noticed you had a thumb pick and a couple finger picks as well. I Yeah, I use I use three fingers and my thumb. Uh-huh. Um, started with two fingers and my thumb and made a concerted effort <laughs> when I was 14 years old to try and figure out how to add in my third finger. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are a couple of strongly held, almost religious convictions about, about finger picking. Yeah. Right. Some guys, Tommy Emmanuel, for example, says you have to put your pinky on the face of the guitar. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can't do that. That I find, and you know, I'm not going to argue with Tommy, you know, right. but I find that that adds strain to my right hand when I'm playing. Yeah. So <clears throat> now it gives him a little more punch, I, you know, but I think I have a little pinky. He may have a longer pinky <laughs> than I do, you know? Um, and I've dabbled with classical guitar stuff some, and you don't put, you don't anchor your pinky in, okay. in classical technique. Okay. It's a different, a different position. Um, the toughest thing and the most important thing about finger style is that the independence and coordination of your thumb and your fingers. Mm, mm -hmm. Your thumb is actually playing a bass line. Yeah. Sometimes just a boom, 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 while your fingers are doing other stuff. Sometimes it's it's more of a walking bass kind of thing. And so keeping those things going together. I, I came up, as I said, playing 12 string. So I found I had a very Ooh, busy yeah. thumb, playing fingerstyle 12. And I had a very, wow, okay. a very busy thumb because the, the bass strings on the 12 have an octave string above them. Yeah. So you, so it's not just this, this 
so now if I'm playing the six, which I do primarily, mm -hmm. um, I need to kind of adjust how much work my thumb does because it can get muddy and overshadow the fingers. Sure. So I got to hold back on that some. Now practice with a metronome, is that? It, not my favorite thing to do, but yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your your timing is very, very good. Oh, thanks. And actually, and I, you know, I was listening to your record and I said, I need to look at his right hand when he gets here. Cause I, I didn't, I didn't know you'd played with the finger picks. Yeah. And, and there's, there's different schools of thought. There are finger pickers. And then there's the people that have the very immaculately kept fingernails. Uh -huh. And I, I can't, I'm a chewer, I'm a biter. Yeah, I and do, also and I, I yeah. work with my hands. Right. Yeah. Right. There was a time. Before I moved down here, when I was gigging a lot mm -hmm. because there were places, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and if I knew I had a lot of gigs coming, I would actually go to the salon and okay. have and have them do gel nails on on my right thumb and the three fingers on my right hand. Wow! And because I like that better, there's a very, the reason I like picks, and I've tried everything. <laughs> all right, it, just like all the finger pickers, I've, yeah. know, I've tried plastic picks, metal picks. Mm -hmm. I now use these metal picks that have cutouts right over the pads of my fingers so mm. I can kind of make some contact with the string and feel it. Yeah. But I, I've, I used the gel nails for a time um, and the, frust the frustration was I couldn't do anything else. Okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Right. But I do like the sound of, of, of fingernails more. What I like about either using your nail or a pick is that it gives a definite attack yeah. On the string. You can hear where it begins, especially if you're playing with other people. Yeah. You know, yeah. If, if I'm by myself, it's not as necessary. But yeah, but, but I like the, the definition to the beginning of the note. I play incredibly rudimentary finger style, but I'm, I'm a nail biter. Yeah, me too. And also, I've tried the thumb picks and the finger picks, and it adds this, just the distance from my finger to the end of whatever implements on it yeah. is a distance that I can't become accustomed to. Yeah. And it's become to the point where at least for my own, and we talk about you develop your own style and you mm -hmm. get in your own wheelhouse. And yep. sometimes you limit yourself in certain ways, which I've done is I've just decided it's going to be the pad of my finger, the pad of my thumb. Mm -hmm. and, and actually I had a weird thing happen at work where I gouged out part of my thumb on a on a saw and there was like two months where i was i was hitting i could hit the notes mm -hmm. like with i was hitting all the notes but somehow that little part that was missing out of that little pad of my thumb was not getting me that the strength in my baseline mm -hmm. i was like i i gotta play with a pick for i had gigs and i was like i just gotta play songs that have a pick for mm -hmm. two months and it's such a I can't imagine having to walk around with those manicured nails and <laughs> I don't know how like the real high dollar classical musicians do it. They got to like wear a gauntlet over that. Hand Pretty much. <laughs> uh, Al Petaway out in uh, Asheville, mm -hmm. incredible finger style player. You know, I mean, he's, he's always really careful about really? it. You know, um, Tony McManus is perhaps one of the greatest Celtic finger style players on the planet. Mm -hmm. uh, he, and I've been lucky enough to sit with him and, and play with him. And he tells a story about, he, he also uses artificial nails. 
Um, and he tells the story of walking into the salons while he's on tour and they, and he says, you know, do these four nails for me, please. And he puts his other hand behind his back and, yeah. and cause they don't get it, you know? Right. And, they, and he's, they said, do you want a pedicure? <laughs> and Tony says, I don't know. Will it help my playing any? You know? Uh, who are your, who are your main guitar guys? Uh, again, probably James Taylor. Uh -huh. Um, I, I listen to the fingerstyle guys, you know, okay. uh, now yeah. he also d works with his nails exclusively. Yeah. And yeah. even has a thing, a video on his website about how he cares for his nails. Really? Yeah. yeah. Artificial, you know, awesome. a lot of his stuff. Uh, Tommy Emmanuel, of course, you know, I mean, I listen to be humbled. Um, yeah. <laughs> I listened to t Tony McManus, the guy I just mentioned, who mm -hmm. was just a beautiful, beautiful player. Um, Pete Hutlinger was another fingerstyle guy mm -hmm. uh, who passed away a few years ago from some heart problems. He toured a lot with a, um, a, a pump that he would wear on a, in, in a bag outside his, uh, th that kept his heart going. Oh, wow. It was the strangest thing. But he did an album called Finger Picking Wonder, mm -hmm. which is all fingerstyle arrangements of Stevie Wonder tunes. Very cool. And particularly uh, Superstition. That's what I was already hearing in yeah, my head. That, yeah. That Clavinova bass line yep. on a, yeah. Yep. And so he, he had that going and he had the melody and he even figured out some way to get all the horn buttons in. Wow. I mean, so if you have not heard Pete Hutlinger play Superstition, there's several YouTube videos you need to see. Excellent. I'll put that on the list. <laughs> so how far along are you in the album process? I'm about halfway through. Halfway. Yep. So I've got five songs done mm -hmm. and they will be, by the way, I, you mentioned, I, I am doing a, a concert in Charleston on the 21st of April, and mm -hmm. there'll be a CD of those five, uh, an EP, EP yep. of those five ready to go. And in fact, they're printed already. Um, nice. I'll probably also have those five up on Bandcamp and just kind of add sure. songs as, as they get done to the collection. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about the concert coming up. Yeah, the concert is a, is a cool thing. I, I couple days a week, I couple afternoons a week, I work at Fox Music over in uh, North Charleston. Mm -hmm. Fox Music is probably the largest piano showroom in in the southeast. One of the and they're one of the larger Yamaha grand piano dealers in in the country. Mm -hmm. um, great family. They had this this music store business since 1928 in in various locations around charleston and so they're on a uh, dorchester road in, in north charleston one of the things they have is this this area that they've carved out to be a listening space wow so yeah so it's cool you know there are not many listening rooms for us there are not you know, <laughs> i mean there's forte but but you know he's he's got his own kind of genre set but maybe mm -hmm. we can Talk to Joe about doing a, you know, a songwriter nights over there yeah, too. Yeah, but, um, so at Fox there is this this kind of, almost they call it a recital hall. Okay, uh, but it's a it's a nice stage space, killer PA, incredible PA. Wow. And so, uh, Joe Joseph Fox, um, I said, you know, can we you know, can we put together a concert and and do this kind of thing? And he said, yeah, no no worries, of course. He's, they've been great about supporting this. Excellent. So um, this is this is one where donation will be, excuse me, admission will be by donation to to staroc.org, mm -hmm. and um, 
hopefully we'll I, I think we could get maybe three people you know who could <laughs> <laughs> what's what's kind of what's the capacity capacity uh, is probably about a hundred nice yeah nice so, so 730 730 on April 21st any opener uh, no no because it's a it's a weeknight so I want to get people out right that is such right. a beautiful notion. Seven thirty like, to nine, because we all get you know we all got to get up for work. Yeah, know, especially those of us who get up at five thirty. Right, know? right. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, I, like I said, I will put links to the the star organization in the cool. show notes. I'm Thanks. also going to make sure I try to turn this episode around quick enough that we can get people finding out about this, and I'll post about the event. Thank you, if you can. And and um, if if you can't, you know, we are doing this thing in October now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do, uh, now that Dustin is going off to college in the fall, he's uh-huh. going to go to Embry-Riddle in Florida and hopefully become an engineer and support me in the, the <laughs> manner to which I'd like to become accustomed, right? Sure, yes. <laughs> um, I long to be a kept man one day. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, please. That would be fine. Yeah. You know. <laughs> But um, you you stand a way better chance than I do. Let's let's just say that. Uh, you know? Never know. <laughs> um, I, I figured that in the fall and before winter comes, I want to try and hit some northern states because mm-hmm. I don't want to mess with snow and ice and sleet and right. all those things that we don't miss. Right. You know. Right. So I, I started casting out to some friends, and there was one group in particular in New Jersey that I wanted to get. They're called the South Jersey Acoustic Roots Music Society. Mm, mm-hmm. They meet once a month and um, on the second Monday of the month. And I, I helped found the group, which was fun when yeah. I was up there. This is 10 years ago now, 11 years ago now. And um, they were very kind and said, yeah, uh, well, if, if you'd like to on our, in our October meeting, which is the second Monday in October, you can come to, you know, do the concert there. Nice. So that's way cool. So then yeah. I had so I had that set and then I started booking around it. And mm-hmm. I had some friends in Massachusetts who said, um, yeah, why don't you come do this, you know, this this concert series over here? And then a guitar shop in just outside New Bedford said, We've got a space and we'll, you know, we'll stream it as well. And I have nice. some friends in Newport who um in Rhode Island who said, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you can use our church hall. Nice. So this this thing has just really come together. So I got two weeks in October, uh, seven shows. Oh, very cool. Yeah, in between New England and then New Jersey and Pennsylvania. So it'll be uh, that's awesome, man. And if that works, if that works right, you know, uh, we'll look at at doing another series down here. You know, in the yeah, you know, house concerts and such. Very cool. Yeah, should be fun. Um, I worry about COVID. A little bit, you know. Sure. Yeah. Up north, you know, they're starting to have you know cases are starting to uptick a little bit. Yeah. But, so you know, well, all you can do is is play it by ear. Exactly. Yeah. Well, very cool. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna put links to all that in the notes Thank and you. and make yeah. sure we're following you on that. Oh, I hope cool. you'll be uh, uh, we'll posting be posting on, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And all those dates are on on the the calendar page on my. Nice. You know, it's funny when we first moved down here. Mm-hmm. My my thought was I'd have my pension. I wasn't old enough for Social Security yet, right. but I would, um, you know, pick up some students, get some gigs, yeah. you know. So I put the, together this web page, mm-hmm. right? And um, 
website, pardon me. And I built it in Wix and it, 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 was, it was pretty and it's nice, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it didn't material, nothing materialized because part of the thought also was I would supplement my, my pension by substitute teaching. Yeah. Right? So I get this long-term sub gig first right out of the box mm -hmm. as a music teacher in an elementary school in North Charleston. So, you know, it was, and it became a full-time gig with benefits. So I didn't need yeah. to do the, the, all the chase around after guitar students <laughs> and stuff. Right. Yeah. So that the website kind of went away Yeah. until we started making this plan for the concerts and the CDs and stuff. And then I needed some kind of real presence again. So we just oh, kind yeah. of brought it out of mothballs. And Time to drag that out and dust it off and. Added the calendar page and the yeah. press page and all these things that weren't there before. So. Yeah. Yeah. At some point you start looking at it and you go, this seems like it's a real thing. This is, it's very weird. <laughs> it's very weird. You know, and you talk about, you know, I've got a tour in the fall. It's like, what? You know, it's a sound well, so pretentious, you know? Then when COVID was going on, you're right. like, is this going to be a thing ever again? And, right. And, right. Very nice. And, and fingers crossed, hopefully everybody <sighs> can. No good, you know. Can can play nice and figure out how to do this thing in a, oh, in a yeah. healthy and safe way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just And just be nice about it. Yeah, it's the <laughs> I know the the it's, very lowest effort of human decency, you know. <laughs> right. I saw um, Janice Ian had a, a a post on her page yesterday that said uh, her Facebook page. It said, um, "Even if we don't agree on anything, we can still be kind." Yeah. Oh, you know, we've 100%. Lost, we've lost the ability to talk to each other. Yeah. And to learn, like Pernell McDaniel. Right. Yeah. He and I see the world through an entirely different perspective. Mm -hmm. Right. But one of the songs that are on this album is one of his, actually. Really? Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful song called Seed You Sow um, that he recorded, or has he recorded yet, but he's given me permission to record it. Mm -hmm. uh, that came out, factly, that happened today. And um, he's, he is very conservative. Mm -hmm. I'm not. <laughs> but there, I think most of us, there's a lot of stuff in the middle that we really all agree on. Oh, 100%. You know? Yeah. And we're unrepresented. <laughs> right, least, right. We are visibly. the, the non-vocal majority. Well, it used to be the silent majority. But yeah, that, that yeah. Was, uh, yeah. Well. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, yes, I, I'm just hoping that, that we're all smart about this stuff and Excellent. It just all goes, yeah. So songwriting, let's talk, let's crack open a little bit more into okay. songwriting. Sometimes it's easy. Oh, sometimes it's very easy. Um, are you a, do you demo stuff or do you, do you pull out the? Oh yeah. Um, what I usually do um, is if I've got, if I've got something going, I'll sit in front of my computer and just video it. Okay. So I can see my chords and see, yeah. right, you know. Yeah. And then, then, and so I've got a bunch of those files that are actually might be, I need to look at again because there <laughs> might be something there. Sure. Know? Yeah. And then, and then separately from that, I keep tabs open, um, for, for lyric ideas. Mm -hmm. And I, so I start working on those and then one, usually one thing leads to another, you know, either I've got enough of a, of a song form going mm -hmm. that music kind of suggests itself um sam ray is is a, a, a local another local song a newly local songwriter who's mm -hmm. touring out now and and 
um, she inspired me a lot to up my poetry game. Okay. As I yeah. listened to her stuff, you know, so I started working on on some particular things, and one of those will be on the CD also. You know. Now, when you start writing songs. Do you hear full arrangements in your head when you start? Do you start to to build this inside your head? Or is it something where when you sit to record it, you're like, well, I'll see what I can tinker with at that point. Usually there's an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a production kind of idea. What, you know, what's the vibe? I mean, you know, the two songs that you heard were very different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the two songs we did today were very different. And so they each came with an idea. Um no Simple Twists, the first one on the album has, uh, I added bass and, and a harmonica solo. Mm-hmm. I don't play harp out very often, <laughs> and you'll hear why. Um, but this other one was absolutely a doo-wop kind of song. Yeah. You know, Sam Cooke sure. kind of song. And so I've got another one that's called Let Me Be Your Rebound, which is a, a kind of 50s standard mm-hmm. kind of tune. Um and others that are, are more straight ahead folky kind of stuff. Now, do you do you actually, when you begin to write a song and it starts to develop, do you think of particular songwriters where you're like, I'm going to sort of try to channel a, a James Taylor this direction or a... Um, not too often because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't... You don't want to put it in a right, box. And, though yeah. James Taylor is a huge influence on my, on my playing and on, on my approach to music i think he was one of those i listen i'm a huge huge you know when i hear when i hear your songs and your style i'm reminded a lot of like 70s singer songwriters well that's your 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 taylor's (laughs) your croce's yeah 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 your Fogelberg, yep. yeah, and, and those are all the guys. Yeah, that, man, that's what I dig. I dig on it. I, <laughs> yeah, it's. In fact, when you know, I was listening to Carolina Life, and until mm-hmm. you started actually talking about apps and computers and stuff <laughs> around track four, five ish, <laughs> I was like, you know, if somebody would have put this on and said, "Oh, I found this. This is a long lost thing from mm-hmm. 1978." Well, I I, I could have believed that, and that's not a that's not a put down, and that's a compliment well, as far you. as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it to mean it. Thank <laughs> who, you. Who are your Who are your main songwriters that you, that you look up to? Well, it's got to be James Taylor. Yeah. You know, at, at the top, his brother Livingston also is phenomenal. Okay. And he was more of an influence on that that rebound song. Okay, all right, yeah. the, those chords and stuff. Um, Carol King, obviously. I mean, all you know these these seventies folks. Dan Fogelberg, as you mentioned, yeah. Joni Mitchell. Um, hearing Judy Collins sing a lot of other people's stuff. Uh-huh. Right, Gordon Lightfoot was was a profound influence. Mm. Um, you know, John Hartford. Those those are all the albums I would buy as soon as they came out. Awesome. Yeah. Are there any songs of other people where you say like that song is the pinnacle of songwriting? They in in that three or four minutes they really did it. Secret of Life, James Taylor, mm. is one. The Dutchman by Mike Smith, okay, is another. Mister Bojangles by Jerry Jeff Walker, oh, one of my favorite songs yeah. of all time. Um, I, I have four favorite songs: Secret of Life and Streets of London by Ralph McTell. I do not know that one. I have to look that one up. Oh, you need to hear that one if you haven't. I will. Awesome. Are there any albums that you're like, I've got 
40 minutes. <laughs> I'm in a certain mood. I want to hear an album that I've listened to a thousand times and I want to hear it again. Are there albums that you're, your go-tos? Um, probably the, if I'm doing that, it's more instrumental stuff like David Grisman, mm. um, or, you know, more, um, Bossa Nova, you know, Stan Getz stuff. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's that, that tends to be more instrumental. Okay. Most of the way I'm listening to music these days is I put those 8,000 songs on shuffle. Okay. Yeah. And you know, just stream my own collection that way. Sure. And if it comes up to something I don't want to listen to, like a Christmas song comes up and it's not Christmas, I just hit, you know, next. Yeah. (laughs) So awesome, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the concert on April 21st. It is a beautiful thing well, that you are doing to celebrate the life of your wife. Yeah, thanks. And what you're doing for the cause. And thank you so much for stopping by. It was great to get to know you. It's, it's nice and, to spend time uh, with you, Eric. Thank you, man. Yeah, folks, go check out Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike Kaufman. I'm looking forward to hearing that album when it comes out. And I'm going to go to the show this Thursday at Fox Music Center. Best of luck to him on the tour in October, and I hope he can raise a lot of money for that organization. Be sure you check the links in the show notes for everything that we talked about during this conversation. As always, thank you so much for listening to Songs of the Unsung. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, Always love getting those clicks. There's really good videos from the past showcases up there, and I'll see you next time. Thank you.